This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and, if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability in the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, Luton Rising, that's the new trading name for London Luton Airport Limited, the company which owns Luton Airport on behalf of Luton Borough Council, are undergoing a statutory consultation on their plans for expansion of Luton Airport. Their plans involve a new terminal on what is currently Wigmore Valley Park and an increase from a current limit of 18 million to 32 million passengers per year. There'll be a new rail link linking Luton Airport Parkway with the airport, but Luton Rising still anticipate that over 55% of these passengers will arrive by car. And there'll be a new park to replace that which has been lost and a new business development zone. But how about the greenhouse gas emissions from all those extra planes? But how about the greenhouse gas emissions from all those extra planes? Back in April last year, the UK government committed to cutting greenhouse gas emissions by 78% by 2035 compared to 1990 levels. And I wanted to know how Luton Airport would fulfil its part in that commitment whilst nearly doubling passenger numbers. So I asked CEO of Luton Rising, Graham Olver. Well, thank you, Amanda, and for welcoming me to your show. It's very important for us that we work with the government, along with the rest of the aviation industry, together to meet the broader requirements that we'll all be aware of to ensure that aviation achieves net zero operations by 2050. We've been fully cognizant and looking at all of the uh, the different aspects that relate to and contribute to some of the less positive aspects of owning and operating an airport together with the benefits that are derived from that. In terms of the, the commitment by the government, there is the jet zero consultation that's going on, plus policies that are issued by the government. And we've committed to do our bit at local level where we can control. Uh, and that's obviously the airport operations itself, recognising that the government Um, post-Paris, post and part of Glasgow, has taken on the responsibility for dealing with the impacts of aviation at a national level. And we've added something extra, which is our green control growth, which means that all growth has to sit within a framework that both enables growth to happen, maximises the positive impacts and minimises the disadvantages of being involved in owning and operating an airport. So I've watched the video on your website about green controlled growth, but why does your green controlled growth plan not cover emissions from aviation, given that really they are way the biggest environmental impact that the airport has? As I say, you have to look at the whole thing holistically as a system and say, what's the contribution that everyone makes towards this? We're doing our part and working within the national policy. So we did we did look at it seriously to see what we could do and realised that the best thing to do is to do our bit and rely on the government, but, but hold their feet to the fire in the same way as people hold our feet to the fire and say, are we going to deliver on our promises? So the government takes advice from the Climate Change Committee and in their sixth carbon budget on aviation, they said that there should be no net expansion of UK airport capacity 
unless the sector is assessed as being on track to sufficiently outperform a net emissions trajectory that's compatible with achieving net zero alongside the rest of the economy and is able to accommodate the additional demand and still stay stay on track. So can you explain what Luton Airport's emissions trajectory is? Um, I can. If I I go back to the part of the question as well, though, Amanda, it's one of many pathways, and they looked at balanced pathways, and they are advisory, and we've based a lot of our thinking by following the type of advice and challenges that the um, Climate Change Committee's put forward. If we look at the direct control of emissions on our ground operations, and we've committed to net zero ground operations by 2040. So that's low carbon interventions, you might expect low carbon energy sources, on-site renewable energy generation, and of course, the uh, the new DART, the direct rail transport uh, transit system, that's due to go live uh, later this year. Well, let's move on to noise. This is something that concerns many people in St Albans. And before the pandemic, many people, particularly to the north of St Albans, complained that there was barely a moment when there wasn't a plane roaring over. I know some of them come from other airports, but most of them come or going to Luton. How are you going to squeeze in another up to 80,000 flights a year? That's 220 flights per day into your schedule? I mean, noise is damaging to health at the best of times, but are you going to be flying more in the night or are you going to have a greater density of flights in the day? Can you explain how this is going to work? Yes, we're very concerned ourselves, which is why we've included noise as part of our green control growth framework, that the impact of these revised proposals you know, could have. And noise affects different people in different situations in different ways. So you have to look at it on average, and then you also have to look, obviously, in particular uh, circumstances. Our assessment of work we've done, and this is using you know, some of the best scientific evidence that we have, is that there will actually be a reduction in the number of people who would experience what we call significant noise due to aircraft noise. Significant is is obviously where it truly impacts on people's lives. So there's a reduction in that. That's partly due to quieter and more efficient aircraft that inevitably get phased in, particularly given the the business model of the airlines that that use um, Luton. So our noise projections show that in all scenarios, our noise contours overall will be smaller than they were in 2019. So, so what does that actually mean, things that we're doing to make that happen? As I said, there's a sort of hierarchy of things that you look at. And so firstly, as I said, there's the green control growth framework. So that ensures that limits are legally binding and is a statutory requirement. So if we don't keep to those limits, we can't grow. Simple as that. We've improved the taxiway sort of infrastructure, aircraft movements, and that will change from about 34 to 47 an hour. And the trick here is also to use that better utilisation so that if you're increasing the runway usage uh, really in arrival and departure slots, which is where you're talking about this sort of compression, squeezed in, I think was the phrase you used, then in reality, more daytime hour slots rather than peak time, daytime hours be used, and that would cater for much of that growth. And the evidence, again, to support that is what's actually happened in places like Manchester and Stansted. About 32 million passengers per annum, we'd expect the airport to be operating at about 70% of the available daytime slots. So it isn't all just compressed into um, the period that, that you were talking about. And, and nighttime flights, that's obviously hugely important for people and, and sleep. 
and the impacts of, of disturbed sleep. So at the moment, we, the airport itself is permitted number of these flights is 9,650, I think it is, aircraft movements. And you know, I can categorically say we won't be exceeding this number even though there are additional aircraft movements. Uh, it's sort of getting into position from arrivals and departures between 6 a.m. and up to 11.30. So, you know, the, the positioning of aircraft in order to do this itself creates some noise, um, but they have been taking into account such additional noise in these noise contour assessments. That The final point I think I would make is, as a sort of precursor to our green-controlled growth, the whole issue of noise has been looked at by um, what was called a noise envelope design group, which is a, a, a collection of people that, 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 that are looking. So the scientists, the boffins, independently chaired with representatives from local authorities and from the community, action groups um, and, and environmental um, uh, people who are passionate to ensure that, that their voice is properly heard looking at the, 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 the right approach that would, that would support growth. Um, and, and I say, there's a lot of challenge takes place in that forum. And, and that's how we've taken the input from that and put that into our, our say, legally binding green controlled growth framework. The important thing for me is to make sure I've got a really good relationship with our operator. We're working in partnership and we're able in the next 10 years to do everything we can to encourage the adoption of technology at the earliest possible moment and the encouragement of uh, the new aircraft, the NEOs in particular, and that we take, uh, take full advantage of the new pathways that will enable uh, uh, fl flight ascending and descending, for example, to be in a way that, that creates less noise. Graham Olver, thank you very much indeed. Amanda, it's a pleasure. Thank you. I was talking there to Graham Olver, CEO of Luton Rising. Next, I spoke to John Hale, chair of campaign group St Albans Quieter Skies. And I started by asking him, with lots more capacity on the way for Luton Airport so that the people of St Albans can enjoy the holidays they've missed so much during the pandemic and guilt-free because Luton Airport have got all the environmental side effects covered by their green controlled growth policy. What's up with that? Well, it does sound rather nice when you wrap it up like that. But I'd, I'd say there are a couple of concerns I would have on that. Is One, I wasn't aware that there was a shortage of capacity for people to go on holiday pre-COVID. And the, the, the aviation industry was booming back then. This green control growth, though, it, it only relates to the airport buildings and to a certain extent to the transport that they claim people will use to get to the airport. But once the plane takes off the ground, the airport ceases to be concerned about it. And a large amount of the emissions and carbon issues are to do with the plane in flight. And doubling the number of flights, or however many it is, is not going to help us with our, our climate control concerns. But if we accept that that is outside the airport's control and we just look at what is happening on the ground, OK, their, their buildings, they say, they promise us are all going to be more carbon efficient and they're aiming for zero carbon, etc., but there is this big implication as to how people actually get to the airport. A lot of people will still be using their cars. A lot of those people will be driving through places like Harpenden and Wheatamstead to get to the airport. And we know that that just creates an environmental danger, not just from carbon and, and climate change, but from particulates and air pollution. 
So you mentioned there that the emissions actually from the aviation itself aren't included in the green controlled growth policy. The emissions from aviation to and from Luton Airport, they they are indeed huge as they are for all flying. But aren't those emissions ours? Aren't they the people who choose to fly? Is it it wrong to blame those on Luton Airport? But actually, we need to choose not to fly. Isn't that what needs to change? So yes, that is a problem. We have a duty to reduce the amount of flying we do as individuals, but the airport is facilitating that. And I think we need to look at how we can deal with that. I'm not asking for the airport to shrink in size. I'm just saying it's got to a size that we accepted several years ago was the right size at about 18, 19 million passengers to per annum. There should be no reason for it to grow beyond that. So one of the arguments that Luton Rising puts forward for the expansion in the size of Luton Airport is jobs. Uh, unlike St. Albans, which is full of wealthy commuters, Luton relies on local jobs, and in particular, the airport. Isn't it all very well for us to moan about noise and pollution when it's not our jobs that are at stake? My concern there is I think Luton are putting all their eggs into one basket. They really should not be relying on the airport. And the Borough Council should be looking at the amount of money it's putting into the airport and saying, how can we diversify our economy? How can we make the Luton economy a booming economy that's based on other aspects rather than just the airport. We know that the damage they had during the last few years because of COVID was a huge financial impact to the council. And really, by just putting even more of their investment into it, it's just, in my part, daft. Now, the organisation St Albans Quieter Skies that you chair is primarily concerned with noise and Luton Rising have promised measures, including a noise envelope, which they say they've developed with stakeholders. And they say that um, it will include retention of the limit for aircraft movements at night, which will be legally binding. So what's wrong with that? Well, I I looked at this legally binding and I, I have to admit, I haven't yet had a chance to get into the detail of it. I'm not quite sure how it will be legally binding because I'm not sure who will be able to hold the airport to account on on that matter. I think the big issue that Luton Airport has when it comes to talking about noise is when they did the last expansion and, and it was accepted they were going up to the 18, 19 million passengers per annum they're now doing, they said at that time to residents, to local parish councils, we will bring in measures to reduce the impact on your neighbourhoods. And they have failed to introduce any of the measures they would said they would bring in. Now, that's largely because those measures were outside their control. But we were not aware at that time that they, they couldn't just move the flights, etc. And therefore, I think before I accept any other promises from them that it will be, be, be better, is they've got to actually prove it. They've said that the new flights, the neoplanes, as they're called, are quieter than the existing one. But their own figures have shown that they're not. Now, they don't know why that is, what it is to do with the configuration of Luton Airport or the geography around here, but those planes are not significantly quieter than the ones they're replacing. And the other issue is, as you expand the passenger numbers, one of the ways they're going to do it without significantly increasing the flight numbers is by using larger planes. Larger planes, by their very nature, are noisier than smaller planes, and therefore the noise will go up. One of the things that they introduced at the same time as the last expansion was what they call narrower flight paths. They said, well, we'll channel all the planes onto a narrow flight path so they'll only be flying over a small number of people. Now, I'm not going to go into the details now, but it's been demonstrated, at least to my satisfaction, that 
that doesn't actually work because what you do is that that narrow path gets all the flights, which means everybody under it and to either side of it gets the noise continually. Whereas if you had a wider flight path, some people would get less or more of the noise at different times. And I remember one of the Luton executives years ago saying to me, well, a plane, noise isn't much more than a vacuum cleaner. Well, the difference is I will go into a room, I'll vacuum clean it, and then I'll turn the vacuum cleaner off. And that's it for the day. With the planes, and this is what people complain about, is one flight going over, they don't mind. But when it's one every five minutes, and as soon as one flight noise has died away, the next one's coming up, you've got a constant background noise. And okay, only for short periods of time might it be very loud, but the fact that it's there all the time starts to get to you. And one of the things I say to people is, if aviation noise isn't worrying you, walk away now, because once you start thinking about it, you'll start noticing it more. And it is a problem, and it, it, but it's known to have problems with people's sleep, which is why night flights are such a problem. And saying, oh, well, we're going to keep it as it is, well, as it is, is not acceptable. So it needs to be reduced. So Lieutenant Rising have put in measures for payments for people affected by noise. Will, will that benefit anybody in St. Albans? No, no, because those are largely payments for things like double glazing, etc. And they re- will only really impact those people who live within the very close proximity of the airport. People sometimes say to me, well, you chose to live under a flight path. No, I chose to live here when their flight path was less than 10 million passengers per annum. In the time I've lived here, there will be going from about 9 million passengers per annum to 32 million passengers per annum. That's a threefold, more than a threefold increase in the number of flights, a threefold increase in the noise. So Luton Rising have a consultation which is open now until the 4th of April. Do you have any tips for people to complete this? I think the first thing to do is to not worry about it. It can look very daunting when somebody's doing a consultation and there's lots of questions and et cetera and and things and et cetera. What I would say is those aspects of the airport's expansion that are particularly important to you, whether it's the fact that you use the Lower Luton Road and traffic is an issue, whether you're a regular train commuter and you're worried about the impact of the additional passengers on the train service, whether as it is with a lot of the residents around where I live, it's the noise, or if you're wide, worried about the wider picture of the, the of the environment, answer the consultation from that point of view and you can ignore the other question. Be honest, obliged to take into account all the responses they get. There will be some people who will put in very technical responses with a lot of detail, but it's also important that everybody else puts in their response and says what it is that really matters about them. John Hell, thank you very much indeed for telling us about that. That's no trouble. Thank you for having me. I was talking there to John Hale of St Albans Quieter Skies. Now you'll find lots more information about Luton Rising's proposals on their website, lutonrising.org.uk and at their consultation event at the Jubilee Centre on Catherine Street on the 21st of March between 3 and 8 in the evening. To respond to the consultation, now you can do this online at the same website, lutonrising.org.uk or you can email your response to 
2022 consultation at lutonrising.org.uk. And if you'd like to learn more about what local protest groups are saying, then take a look at ladakan.org, that's L-A-D-A-C-A-N.org, or the Stacks, that's S-T-A-Q-S, St Albans Quieter Skies Facebook group, or the Stop Luton Airport expansion website, that's stoplae.org, where you'll also find a link to Harpenden MP Bim Afalami's petition opposing expansion plans. You've got until the 4th of April to submit your views. I'll be back at the same time next week, but until then, thank you for listening.